Nothing like a good joke to get us started this morning. So good. It's so good. Oh, it's good to gather in God's house with you this morning. Um, thank you for being here and thank you for worshiping God with us this morning. Um, it's good to be with brothers and sisters. Uh, today is the second Sunday after Christmas. Um, I don't know if uh, how how closely your own personal journey has been uh, connected to lectionary texts, um, but over the new year as we welcome 2020, um, New Year's Day has its own lectionary texts. Did you know that? That there's there's extra readings for for some of these new mile markers and these different different days in the calendar year that the lectionary. Um, kind of offers us as well. And what what better gift than Scripture, right? Um, and so uh, today, as we get started, I just wanted to, to read over portions of the psalm that was offered for New Year's Day. It's Psalm 8. Um, and so uh, as, as a New Year's blessing, I wanted to offer this from Psalm chapter 8. It says this, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name throughout the earth. You made your glory higher than the heavens. When I look at your skies, at what your fingers have made, the moon and the stars that you set firmly in place, what are human beings that you think about them? What are human beings that you pay attention to them? You've made them only slightly less than divine, crowning them with glory and grandeur. Skipping down to verse 9. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name throughout the earth. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord, for these texts that speak over us. I pray every day uh, in 2020 that you will see the Lord's majestic name throughout the earth that he has created. What a privilege it is to worship God, not only on Sunday, right, but throughout the week. We worship every day of the week. Um, I really want to encourage all of you who are able um, and interested to come Wednesday night to our covenant service as we begin this new year, as we um, start off on the right foot for 2020. Um, I made a joke about seeing clearly, you know, last 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 week on uh, in this year of 2020. There's no better way to see clearly than to walk with our Lord and to to, to dive into Scripture and to see life framed through the through the words that come to us in Scripture. So I invite you to do that um, this, this Wednesday, um, starting at 7 p.m. Also, and I, I didn't mention this in announcements either, next year or next week um, is going to be a, a significant moment for our church family. Um, the, the district superintendent will be here, Scott Shaw, and uh, it will be uh, our installation service. So you'll be officially installing me as pastor. I guess you're stuck with me uh, as of... As of next Sunday, um, but if you want to be part of that, it would be a gift to me, um, and it'll be a significant moment for this church um, as uh, the DS is here to formally and officially install me as as lead pastor of this place. So I want to invite you to come back next Sunday um, and and be part of that. Um, in the lectionary cycle this week, our attention is is normally turned to the arrival and the gifts of the Magi. Um, their story reflects our own, for we approach Jesus with our own gifts um, at this time, uh, and, and from a far-off place even. Our gifts that we bring to God 
um, our, our, our lives as we offer them back to him. And sometimes we, we, we try to, to come with gifts, some that may even be worthy uh, and valuable. But when we arrive at the feet of Jesus, we find that as we give, give those gifts that we came with, we discover that we are the recipient. We discover that the baby, in fact, gives the gift to us um, uh, in, in our worship of that baby child and in the offering of our gifts, we find that the Christ child is the giver of all good gifts. He is the one who offers to us what is needed. That's the message uh, of, of Epiphany. Um, but today, uh, and actually throughout the month of January, I wanted to start off our year uh, on, a, on a bit of a different direction. So for the year, uh, for, for the month of January, I'm going to depart from the lectionary just a little bit. Um, and I wanted to kind of establish a theme for our church this year. Um, uh, as we do that, as we establish a theme, I, I really want to explain what, what this is about. This, this theme isn't going to dictate us. It's not going to be the topic for all year long. Um, and, and yet, at the same time, throughout the whole year, I want it to guide us. Uh, it's not our only topic, but I, I want our conversation to remember it as we go through this year. It's not only our growth step, but it will color each of our steps along the way. Um, and as we, as we focus this year in 2020, uh, what I want our theme to become for this year is simply this, becoming one. As a church, I believe that God is calling us to become, again, one body, in one faith, for one Lord. Um, with our neighbors, we're called to become one. Uh, the church, when it was established, was called the ecclesia, right? The called out ones, the ones that, that were called out and, and the gathered people of God. For this place... As we worship Jesus Christ, we're creating this generous and spacious place. And that's what we're called to do together as the body of Christ. As we worship and as we learn and as we become familiar with Christ, we understand that we're one even with the church down the street that proclaims Jesus. And we, we should be praying for those churches. We ought to be lifting them high because our brothers and our sisters worship in those houses of worship. And, and they sing and proclaim Jesus Christ's name, and we're not in competition. We're alongside of them, preaching Jesus' name. And so, church, we ought to be praying for them and lifting them up, for we are one body. Even with Christians around the world, we are, we, the American church, sometimes forgets that we're part of a global community, that, that our world is bigger and we have brothers and sisters around the globe. And that's our privilege to be part of that. I'm so, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where God will take us in 2020. I think, I think excitement is important. I, I think we ought to be excited to come to church on Sunday. You guys are the ones that made it through the snow. You're the ones that are excited. But we need this sense of expectation. We need this heart, this attitude. The church sometimes can be so divided. 
and I think it grieves the heart of God. I believe our, our witness to the world is impaired when we miss this sense of becoming one. Let me say that again. I believe our witness to the world is impaired when we miss this sense of becoming one. It's critical. So throughout 2020, even as we we go back to the lectionary, we're going to go back there, but we're going to watch for ways that Scripture calls us to unity and to community. You know, see how those words are kind of connected? Unity, community, to becoming brothers and sisters in Christ together in this body. Can we lead the way in becoming one in this community? Can can we set the example for our our sons and our daughters, grandsons and our granddaughters, that we will be called one under the banner and under the name of Jesus Christ? May it be so. May it be so. Um, To start this month, our, our text is going to come from the book of Acts. Uh, chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles with you and you want to open those, or maybe you point uh, direct a device of yours to head to the Word of of God, if you could open to Acts chapter 2. We'll get started there this morning. And as you're able, if you would stand for the reading of God's Word to honor that. Um, Today I'm reading from the Common English Bible. We'll be starting at verse 42 and reading through verse 47 in Acts chapter 2. Receive now the word of the Lord. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. I have a question for you as we begin today. You don't have to answer out loud if you don't want to. You may chuckle and look at the person next to you. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Are you an introvert or an extrovert? I remember hearing those, those words for the first time. I think I was either in junior high or high school. Um, man, in those days, everybody's an extrovert, right? In junior high and high school, all these things are, are self-assessed, right? And, and, and in, in junior high and high school, um, man, everybody thought they were, they were supposed to be an, an extrovert. And the terms extrovert and introvert mean different things when you're in junior high. They really do. I wanted to be the kid who knew everybody. I was involved in all the right conversations, in it with all the right people, life of the party. (laughs) What it boils down to is is really a misunderstanding of of those words, introvert and extrovert. The the truth is these words don't have any bearing on, on what you do or don't do, on what you like or what you don't like. 
Introvert does not mean antisocial or that you don't like people. Speaking for all the introverts in the room. Yes, I am one. The question it does answer is this. Where do you get your energy from? I'm an introvert. You should know that about me. Being an introvert, I can, I can speak for us. It's not that we don't like people. It's not that we won't smile and shake, shake your hand, give you a hug. I do think there should be more hugging in church. So if I hug you and you're not a hugger, I apologize just in advance. Um, it's not that we're antisocial or we're anti-hanging out with people. What it means is after the big rowdy party that we might have left a little early from, okay, we're going to need some alone time. We're, we're, we're going to need to recharge our batteries. We're, we're, we're going to put our... We're going to put ourselves in a little self-timeout in the corner. My wife and I joke uh, that marriage has made me a little more extroverted and made her a little more introverted. Um, I'm not sure why that is. But extroverts get the energy from the party. They get the energy from being around people, and that charges them up and gives gives them juice, gives them mojo, makes them want to go find some more people. Introverts find that energy of being alone, taking time away in solitude and silence. And they're like, okay, I can do people again now. (laughs) Why do I bring this up? (laughs) Acts 2 sounds like a nightmare (laughs) to us introverts. Uh, Listen to this. They shared everything they had. They always had meals together. They had everyone in their homes the Lord added to their number daily. Ah, more people to meet. It's a little bit of a struggle for us introverts. But the beautiful thing about, the, about Acts 2 is what it means for the church. And the picture that it gives us of what the church can be and how we can treat each other. We have to be careful. Uh, we have to be careful anytime we kind of drop into to any book of the Bible, try to understand what the writer is, is doing. And I'm, I'm always, as I look at Scripture, always trying to take a look um, at the writer and, and see the, the verses that we're focus, focusing on um, in context. Um, it's generally accepted uh, by biblical scholars that the writer of Acts also wrote another book. Does anybody know what book that is? Luke. Nice job. So, the writer of Luke also wrote the, 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 the book of Acts, according to most that, that follow and study these things. So this is kind of a continuation of what happened in the Gospel of Luke. Acts is the story of the people who continue to follow Jesus even after he's murdered as a political criminal on the cross, even after his resurrection, even after his ascension probably written late in the first century. They think maybe 70, 80, 90, um, somewhere in there. Uh, And so these early chapters are really kind of bridging the gap between where the Gospel of Luke left off and the place in which they now find themselves, where the the church is, is developing. And they're wanting to write down those stories of how the church started. Uh, the crucifixion of Jesus came, the Holy Spirit came after that, and the launch of what would eventually become the church, of which we are a part of today as we gather. The writer of Acts is the only real narrative link that we have 
following Jesus into when the church begins. Um, the, the gospels kind of abruptly end at the life of, of Christ. Um, we have the epistles, which are letters that are written to different churches, and we can kind of understand what's going on early in the church. But Acts is this unique book that we have, this picture of what, what the church began as when people started gathering in the name of Jesus, which we now do on a regular basis. Um, it, 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 it's really unique in a way that no other New Testament book really is. And so it's, it's a special gift as we read through the book of Acts. But with this text that I've chosen, it's kind of, kind of awesome to preach. It's, it's, it's a great text. I can just kind of say, look at, look at this. Here it is. This is what the church was, was doing. Let's go and do it likewise. It's also kind of difficult. It's kind of pie in the sky. It's like, could it really have been that rosy? Um, as we dig a little deeper and as we think about it, um, the year's about 80, 85, okay? And so Jesus was born a little bit before year zero, as you think about it. Um, and, and he lived kind of anonymously as a carpenter in the city of Nazareth for about 30 years, ministered in Galilee and, and a little bit outside of Galilee for three years and died somewhere around the year 30. So this is probably 50 years after these events had happened. I don't know about you, uh, but I don't remember anything that happened to me 50 years ago. <laughs> not quite 50, so um, there's not a whole lot to remember. Um, I'm not sure I can remember yesterday's breakfast. Um, but what Acts is, is a recounting of these big rock events for the life of the church. Okay, Jesus leaves. That's the first topic of Acts. Jesus, Jesus ascends into heaven. They're left looking up in the sky. The next narrative piece is that Judas has to be replaced. They want to restore the, the apostles to, to the number of 12, which is a significant number in the Jewish culture. Pentecost comes, tongues of fire, P Peter preaches, thousands of people are saved and baptized. This all happens before our text. And then there's this statement, this incredible passage about the life of the early believers. Take a look after that. Sometimes, sometimes I used to do that when somebody was preaching and they lost my attention. I'd kind of read on. If, you, if, you, if, you, if I lose your attention and you want to read the Bible, that's okay with me. Um, the Bible's really good. Um, but if you look in the next couple of pages, there's more drama. There's more controversy. Ananias and Sapphira and their, and their lies get them in a little bit of trouble. There's persecution, particularly by the established religious folks in, in the city of Jerusalem. The apostles, the apostles are told, be quiet. We mean it this time. <laughs> in 512, the author breaks into another summary of how the church treated each other in the midst of all that was taking place. There's this reconstruction of the birth of the church. It's like the author is, is going back from, yeah, Jesus left us. We didn't know what to do, so we cast lots and we replaced Judas because we thought that would be a good first step. But then the Holy Spirit came. Tongues of fire fell from the sky. Peter preached. 
thousands came. I, I remember this day, thousands professed that they wanted to follow Jesus too. And then there's this summary statement. All the believers were together, sharing what they had. From its very outset, the, the book of Acts has this, this back and forth. Yeah, there's going to be hard and messy times. It's going to be tough. There's going to be struggle. But this is how the body of Christ was founded. This is how they lived together. This is what they did for one another. This is how they showed their love for Christ and for one another. And this is 50 years later, remembering, oh yeah, there was this and there was that. But when we got together, when we showed up, it was a beautiful thing. And that's exactly what this passage is. This is the author's response. This is how we made it through. Jesus had just left us. We were all alone. We didn't know what to do. But the Holy Spirit came, and look what the Holy Spirit did. Thousands of people added to our number. Look how it changed us. This is then how we started to behave. We talked a little bit through Advent about a, a Jewish understanding of spirit, the Ruach of God, the, that which brought life to our lifeless bodies, the breath that was breathed into our nostrils at the very time of creation. And here we witness the effect of the promised spirit of God that came after Jesus left. What was its immediate effect? Peter preaches thousands saved. And this is the culture that was created. Do you guys realize that we have that very same spirit today? That the Holy Spirit who, who, who descended onto this earth in tongues of fire resides in you and me today. That ought to give us boldness, church. That ought to give us joy. That ought to make us smile. That ought to give us confidence today. And we have this description of what the church was like, devoted to teaching, devoted to community, devoted to sharing meals, devoted to prayer. Church, that's our mission. That's our goal. That's what we need. We need that same outpouring of the Spirit today. I haven't had a tongue of fire come and rest on my head, but I felt the Spirit stir. I felt the Spirit lead me and guide me and push me and nudge me and invite me into this deeper place where I can live a little bit like Acts 2. It's tough. We're, we're busy people sometimes. We have soccer practice and band concerts. We have trips to see the kids. Sometimes we have to care for family members. We lead busy lives. I'm not naive and to in, in, I'm not naive to the world in which we live. It's going to be spotted with messy moments. It sounds a whole lot like Acts not two, but Acts one sometimes, when we feel abandoned and alone, when we feel like the rugs pulled out from underneath us, when we feel like hope is gone. Life's spotted with those messy moments at times. But I believe the Spirit of God wants to cut through those moments, cut through that busyness to redeem the messiness 
in our lives and call us together to become one body, the very body of Christ in Mountain Home, Idaho, in Elmore County, in USA, in the world in which we live, part of a global community that proclaims not that we've got it figured out or we know what we're doing, but that we are one body, united under one Lord, following one spirit into the one mission of God, which is to save the world. The church is the vehicle to do that. You and me, when I say the church, it's not this building. It's us people. We are God's plan to reach out and to save the world and to offer the message of love, to push back the darkness with the light of Christ, to push back fear and to conquer fear with the message of hope that Jesus brings. This is what I believe. We don't, we don't need the fanciest church. We don't need the loudest sound system or the concert light with the smog. We don't need the best preacher in the world. Thank goodness. We don't need the perfect program. We don't need to go back to the good old days. And we don't need that perfect new program that's going to flip the switch. We might try some of that, do some of that. That doesn't matter. It matters a little bit what we choose to do, what we choose to put our effort toward. But what truly matters, church, is this, that we're here to love each other. That we're here to love each other. And part of that, what that's going to look like for us in 2020, this is our theme. This is our anthem, that we will become one body this year. That when we see each other, we'll see each other. And that our love will have feet underneath it. We have to become one. This line, this verse, all the believers were united and shared everything. This sense of true and authentic community. The sense of belonging. Um, I, I shared this, I think, at the meet and greet when I came, that, that belonging, the opposite of belonging is fitting in speaker gave me that one. I didn't, I didn't make that up to give credit to Brene Brown on that one. The opposite of belonging is fitting in. If someone comes and feels like they have to fit in, it's evidence that they don't feel like they belong. So church, when people come and people will come, help them know they don't have to fit in here, but they can just belong here. That our love is not conditional because Christ's love is not conditional. And they might look different than us. They might think different than us. They might vote different than us. They might smell different than us. But they belong here. Because this is Christ's church. And that's the banner that we raise. And that's the flag that we will fly in this place. Is that we are the people of Christ first. I'll tell you this. This isn't going to happen by accident. It certainly will not happen because the preacher <laughs> said to or wants it to. This will take effort and intentionality. We're going to have to chase it. We're going to have to work at it. We're going to have to go after it. And it's probably going to look a little bit like the New Testament Church of Acts, where <laughs> kind of gets a little messy, got to figure things out. And then we come back to who we are. 
the people of God, the people of Christ, the people that make space for one another and say, it's okay, you belong here. Because Christ is here and ready to meet you and wants to walk with you. God shows up and there's some really good moments. And then we might go back to a little bit of messy. And guess what? We're the church and we walk through that together too. And that's okay. We don't have to fear it. God's got that figured out. He's enough for us in these moments as well. Because we know that life will return. We know that we're committed to this place of being devoted to one another in love. But if we can get there, if we can, if we can establish this for 2020, the culture of this place will begin to grow and to develop. And I already sense it, church. Don't, don't receive this as we're missing something out. We're missing, we're missing something. We're missing out on something. I sense it here. I, I got more invitations to dinner when I was here by myself than I could handle. I had to push some people off and say, I, I'm booked already. I'm sorry. I can't eat three dinners in one night. I did do two once, but we don't talk about that. Something's going to happen. The culture of this place will change and will develop and become more Christ-like and look a lot like Acts chapter 2. And people will be drawn to this place because they don't have to fit in, but they can belong. Did you hear verse 47? They praised God, demonstrated God's goodness to everyone, and the Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. I just want to claim that promise for us today. I want to claim that promise for us today, that if in 2020 that we can work hard to become one body, the worshiping body of Christ, that the Lord's going to add to our number. And we better be ready, church better be ready because it might get a little messy and yet we're devoted to being the body of Christ. I'm going to have the praise team uh, come on up um, as they do. I just want to say um, I believe this is the heart of God for us in 2020 despite all the ways that, that the world might try to label us or divide us or shove us in different directions. That when you walk through the doors of this place and come into this sanctuary and interact with this church, us people, this church. When you encounter each other at work or at the store or in the park or at the field, you will actively, tenaciously, passionately pursue in the year 2020 becoming one body, serving one Lord, following one faith, May it be so in our lives. Amen? Would you pray with me? God, thank you for today. Thank you for the chance to, to be part of the church. Thanks for giving us such a high calling to offer to the world your unconditional love and grace. <laughs> Honestly, sometimes I don't know why you trust us so much. And yet, I covenant today. I, I, I reimagine today a world in which I can be your agent. I can be 
a person that will show your kind of love to this world that desperately needs it. Would you be with us this year? Help us start with today. Help us start with this week. Sometimes a year is overwhelming. Help us today to again become one for your sake and for your kingdom, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. God, oh God, that we could put our firm foundation down into your love, that that would be all, all that we ground our life upon. It seems so unrealistic. It seems so impossible. But God, we pray that it would be so. In my life, today, this week, help me build my life upon the foundation of your love and that all would flow out of that today, we pray. Christ's name. As I offer this benediction, would you extend your hands again to receive it? May God, who calls us again today to the one faith, be present with you and guide you as you seek. To follow and obey. Amen. Amen. Go in the love of Christ.